From the greater Boston area, you are listening to the My Turn Conversations, brought to you by Tufts Education Reentry Network. These are stories of life during and after incarceration told by people who've lived it and are working to overcome the odds. Has anybody ever asked themselves, am I crazy? I already know I am, so I don't even ask. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not lying, I am. Like life cooked or what? I'm cooked. I really when am. I'm cooked. When have you asked yourself that? Um, just things I might have done, thoughts, situations, aggravations, or things that I want to do but I don't do it. Thoughts? I don't know. Like I, I purposely uh, don't hardly talk to anybody ever because I don't want to share any of my thoughts or the incriminate myself or the craziness that goes on in my mind because I try to you know pretend that I'm normal I guess <laughs> and it's easier to just avoid people as much so, as you can so what's normal what do we? I mean, everybody says if I'm not not going to prison. Yeah, but you know what? You can end up in prison. You'd be normal and end up in prison. But when you get out, you're not normal. Maybe the people outside aren't normal. I mean, it's it's what society thinks is normal. We do not fit in that category. I'm here with three fellow formerly incarcerated men in the greater Boston area as they share in and support one man's taxing reentry journey. They discuss the effects of incarceration on mental health and the struggles of daily life after prison. These three men have chosen to remain anonymous, but their strength and character shine through as they come together to support their classmate and friend. My name is Marty, and I'm joining the conversation shortly after being released from prison after serving nearly 17 years. For the last month, I've been going through it. Um, um, I officially went bankrupt. Um, I owe probably like $20,000, I think now. Um, I'm scraping up to pay for my car still. Uh, last month I couldn't make rent, but I made sure I made rent. Um, and it's having its effect, um, but it definitely has its effect because, um, I don't know, after a while you just start to say like, what the fuck, man, every single day it's something else, it's something else, it's something else. And since I've been coming to this class, like a lot of people know, a lot of people around me died. So now another girl died. Uh, she was stabbed to death by a boyfriend. They have a baby. The baby's two months old, so now I have to deal with this. She's from my projects. The month, a couple of months before that, another young girl got shot in the head and low by her boyfriend. Uh, two months before that, one of the little guys in my neighborhood got murdered in his front door. Um, then, just before that, Ralph Boggs got murdered by his girlfriend. She stabbed him to death. Um, and there's more, like, 
like every day it seems like that there's always something so <clears throat> um mentally um mentally uh life is uh life is not as well as everybody thinks it is um you can smile every day but that doesn't mean that that smile is um the actual factuals on what's really going is just to tell people to leave you the fuck alone sometime um and i know that we're all going through it but the thing with oz is a little bit different um because a lot of us are institutionalized, which is already a medical condition as itself, and that fucks you up out here as well. Um, and then, like, if you don't have family, like, I really don't have family. I got a brother out here. I got one brother, and uh, he has two kids. And I got a mother, but she's batshit, batshit. Um, so when it comes to, like, support for the mental health issues, like, family-wise or, you know, friendship-wise, you kind of, like, limit yourself. Well, if you don't have the resources, then you limit yourself to who you can really talk to and what you can get out. Indirectly, what I hear this gentleman saying is that because of the employment and housing problems that us returning citizens face, we often have no choice but to return to the toxic environments that influenced our decisions that led to incarceration in the first place. So you can go talk to a doctor and you can do all that shit too, but if life just doesn't give you a break, the mental health aspect is so fucking hard. And I know that, uh, you know, I know, you know, I hadn't even had money to get to class. That's why I wasn't here last week. And I broke down and that's the first time I cried in like 21 years. So, and it's just, you know, some days it's just like, the shit builds up, the shit builds up, the work thing, you know, filed a million applications and each and every single time I get that, we're not going with you. And I've been saving the emails too because I'm about to call up the places like, listen, I've been applying for you guys for two and a half, three years and you're still telling me, no, what is it? Is it the record? Is that what's going on? So then that mentally starts to affect and starts to bother you and then you're just like, I don't know, with me, I'm just like, they're just survival of the fittest out here. And I know a lot of people will say like, oh, you don't, you got so many resources. No, get the fuck out of here with that because you can't take care of me. I can only take care of myself. And I've been taking care of myself since I was eight years old. So it's been me since I was eight. Um, I don't ask nobody for none. I don't want none. So mentally that also takes effect too because you're so used to fucking shunning all the hands that are trying to help you. You're just like, no, I don't want it. I can do this by myself, and the only thing it's going to do is make me stronger. But at times it's like, you know, sometimes you need to learn how to take that weight off your shoulders. <clears throat> I went to uh, Mass Health, and I officially showed them my bank statements and all that, and they were like, okay, you're officially broke now. I was like, well, I was officially broke six months ago. And they're like, well, uh, well, what do you... And I said, I need a fucking therapist. That's what I need. And I told the lady just like that. She was like... I was like, yeah, like, I really need a therapist. Shit out here is crazy. And she's like, oh, okay, da, da, da. So I think I'm about to get uh, another therapist, another psychologist, and uh, mental health. It can always be something, good or bad. You know what? <clears throat> I actually know the mother of the daughter who was killed also, and I've been through several funerals, probably like five in the last 
30 days. So it makes me question, not doubt, but just question. You know what I mean? And one thing I could tell you, you're a survivor. You know what I mean? One thing about brothers that's been behind the wall, we know how to, and we know how to make something out of nothing. You know what I'm saying? So that's the edge that you have. And maybe all these jobs that you're applying for aren't for you. There's, so many, there's nothing you can't do. You can work on cars, you do whatever, you do it well. So not, maybe you need to take the time and work on what you like to do and know like, all this downtime. Talk to, talk to your brother next to you to the right or whatever and politic, you know what I mean? Because nine times out of 10, they, they share the same issues. I, I met some of the, my best friends from behind the wall that I relate to and I rock with more than my own family. You know what I mean? So let's, we just can't set certain standards to, okay, um, sometimes things don't work out because something else is meant for you. You said that too. You know what I mean? So it's like, but it do make you want to get crazy. Like, you know what? When I used to just do this and do that, I had no stress. It wasn't affecting me like that. I'm trying to do the right thing. So it drives you crazy. You know what I mean? So any days off, you're welcome to come. Come through with curry or whatever. Better for yourself when you see results. You know what I mean? Because if you wait for the person next to you, it might never, might not never happen, you know? So, like I said, there's nothing you can't do. This is just trials and tribulations. This is part of your story. And I, I feel you're going to be okay. You know what I mean? What about things like um, SSDI? What's that? Like uh, disabled, where you say, I'm, I can't work. I try to. But just the amount of time you did is a disability. Yeah. 100%. You know what I mean? So just that alone, you're, you're good. You know what I mean? And just because you, you could take advantage of it, it's there to help you. You, you don't got to live off of it, sit on your couch and just mm. watch TV or play PlayStation, but you can just use that. There's different grants. Different, there's all, so many different things you could take advantage of. This gentleman's optimistic spin is a reflection of the resilience of those that endured these experiences. Hollywood and the media have portrayed prison life as one particular thing. The differing stories and perspectives shared by these men are a reflection of the many different lived experiences and demonstrate the power of storytelling. I'm, I'm hoping to have work, but I'm not really, you know, I'm not really too, there's always ways to get, you know what I'm saying? There's, you know. Because trust me, I, got, I get struck by that lightning too. Oh man, take this, do that. And it's like, but you know that, you know that's going to end. Yeah. It ain't nothing yeah. like hitting the metal doors hit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm an idiot. When we come home from prison, in addition to the struggles of everyday life and reentry, there's always the temptation to fall back into the lifestyle of fast money. Personally, I serve time for robbing armored cars, and when I see them now, I know that the possibility of robbing it would put me in a much better financial situation, but I've also grown into a different person, and I'm working to not fall back into that lifestyle and the consequences that come with it. Even though the jobs available for formerly incarcerated people can be physically and emotionally backbreaking, these gentlemen reflect that living a legitimate lifestyle comes with its own set of rewards. It sucks because it seems like all the time that's something, you know, it's not like when you, when I was a kid, it was like, okay, free fall. You know what I'm saying? There was, you know, like I just literally, while I was in this classroom, 
got a, a email from this place about a one bedroom apartment that's supposed to be yeah controlled rents so the lady told me uh she's like 14 14 4. i'm like that's that's beyond my means i i, I can't afford that control rent is usually uh factored into how much money you make so like you make a thousand and they take 25 percent of it or 30. yeah I just told the lady no because she was like, oh, 14-4, and I was like, yeah, I can't do that. I'm not even making fucking $50 a week right now, you know what I'm saying? Is, is that a single bedroom? Yeah. But you know what you do? You find someone else in the situation. If you had the room, they had a little whatever room. Yeah, I can't live with nobody. I mean, sometimes... But no, I know, but I just know I can't because I get... I get into that thing, like I, I told you, I'm fucking burnt out in the head. I'm like, I wake up and I'm, one day I'm like, all right, cool, we're good. The next day I wake up like, nah, I can't do this, man. Like, nah, I can't be, I feel confined again. That's just like working in like the fast food or a restaurant or something like that. I feel prison fucking demolished that in my mind for me because it was such bad treatment inside the kitchens that it's just the trigger for me, you know? So that's why, it's the only reason why I haven't applied for kitchen jobs yet, but I'm getting ready to apply for like Dunkin' Donuts or some shit like that. Something, and I know I'm 10 times better than that, and that shit makes me mad too, you know what I'm saying? But you can make a ton of money. A ton of money doing what? Serving people that coffee so they can come in and talk to shit to you in the morning time and you jump over the counter and smash one of them? Like when I worked in restaurants, I hated it. And I felt like you every day, want to like people talk crazy and you want to hit them in the head with a frying pan but you don't want to go back to jail and you don't want to be in the papers mm, don't but that's why i stay away from you know the like kitchen work is really a bad trigger for me like i remember one time i was in concord i was working in the kitchen and one of the ceos he had just started there and i had a visit for the first time in like nine years and uh, he came out to the yard, he's like, Ray, he was like, man, he was like, I got a visit for you. He was like, these guys are fucking not calling your name for what I don't know. And I'm like, I'm in the kitchen. He was like, yeah, I know. He was like, listen, just leave and go get ready for it. And after that, I quit the kitchen. I was like, fuck you and your kitchen. You know what I'm saying? I haven't had a visit in nine years. And here it is, somebody's here to see me and they've been waiting out there for an hour and a half and you just didn't feel like calling me? And visits are over in 15 minutes. And it takes time to get dressed and get the transported to go down there. But it can always be worse. At least you have, there's nothing like having an opportunity. You yeah. still have an opportunity. That's why I put in for the dishwashing things too. So, you know, I don't mind washing dishes and things like that. But once again, it's all mental health because so much shit done fucked up, so much shit in the head that, you know, it just makes a lot of things so difficult. You know what I'm saying? There's always options, you just gotta, cause I, 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 sometimes I used to block myself from opportunity. Like when I just be pissed off, like, you know what, fuck everybody, fuck this, fuck that. I made more, I could make money from my couch, I had to deal with this. But once you cross over to the other side and you see how easy it is mm -hmm. and how the outsiders who look at us as less than, it's so simple. And when you start doing that, it's gonna be so easy for you because you know the ins and outs and how to move. It's just a business. The whole locking people up, it's a business. You know what I mean? So a lot of us 
burden ourselves, say, oh, we're convicts, we're this, felonies, whatever, but we just got caught up in the hype of their business. You know what I mean? Because anything that has to do with, we don't just sell drugs. People, normal people sell drugs too. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't just kill people, normal people do too. But we're the ones that has that label on us and we wear it. Take that label off. That's what I need to do. I need Take that to. label off, I'm all set. I'm not gonna sit here, even the CEOs. There's CEOs that be in jail upset with you because you smile like they, they're going home miserable. And they never been locked up, but they're more miserable. You see how they, they fuck with you up in there? Like, this fucking miserable prick go home every day and wants to fuck with me over every time you come to your cell. This is taken down. Or oh, they took this. Or like, like, why does dude keep fucking with me? You know what I mean? So it's just like, fight fire with fire, man. That's all. So, you know, I get it. But like I said, I'm here. And I, listen, I feel the same way. Because I, I, I be trying to, the other day I be want to pack up. Listen, I'm going to have everything go, my school seal and just do whatever. Yeah, I've been at that point, like, for the last month. I'm like, you know what? Just fuck the world. I'm just about to disappear. Or some crazy, like, some, I don't know. Some, I don't know what it is. But yeah, a mental health really does suck. But it's something that you have to take care of. But it's even weird when you talk to like a psychiatrist. I feel like they learn more from you than you do from them. Uh, I remember one psychiatrist I had, and she was like, oh, um, is it all right if I videotape this session? I'm like, uh, we're only three sessions in. And she's like, yeah, well, you know, a lot of things happen in your life. Because the same thing used to happen when I went there. I, I used to go there like, all right, such and such just got killed. Oh, and I was still going through the court system at that time, too. And that wasn't too long ago. I had just picked up a case. And um, my, my, my psychiatrist, he was like, uh, he was more of a friend than anything, it seemed like. But he was so, like, they were so involved in what, you know, not physically, but mentally, they was just, I was like a movie to them. You know what I'm saying? They was like, oh, tell us what happened today. Did somebody get killed? Da, 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 da. And I'm like, no, no, nothing happened like that today. But today was a very bad day. So that made me not even like going to him for a little bit. But then I met one lady. She was cool. And until uh, she asked to videotape me. And I was like, huh? She was like, oh, I just want my colleagues. And I'm like, oh, I understand that. But now I come in here to tell you, like, yo, shit's bad. He's like, nah, I'm not stable at the moment. No, I don't want you videotaping me nor sharing me. What the fuck? I liked him, but after that, I was just like, you're making me feel like a monkey in a cage now. I'm here to talk to you, and you want to fucking videotape me, and, and uh, oh, well, uh, uh, that's not mentally, that's not helping me. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, let's go. So, so I think as we talk about mental health, one of, the, one of the most effective resources for addressing the issue is therapy. But in order to get any real results, you have to trust your therapist enough to be open and vulnerable. And as this gentleman just explained, that can be hard to do 
because of the lifestyle that we've lived. We've been, not, we've been taught to not trust people, and until you can actually trust somebody, that's hard to be vulnerable. So it's sort of a catch-22. I think that uh, like med medication is like, like I never took meds unless like on the street, like stuff that I wanted, whatever, yeah. like whatever. Not real medication, pharmaceuticals. But um, from January until like June or July of this year, I pretty much was in the same mental place as you, mm. but surrounded by my family, mm. which is even worse because I don't want to be around them. Like I want to be back in prison. Mm. Like uh, at least I know that they do count time at seven, or maybe seven or five. And like, if I just want to not talk to anybody, I can close 11 and they just shut the door. I'm in there by myself. No one's going to talk to me. So I can just be quiet and I don't have to entertain people or pretend to be normal again or be elated to be out of prison. Nobody wants to be back in prison, but, when, but we become so accustomed to the daily regimen that when we don't do what we had planned to do, personally, situations like that give me anxiety. His point is that it's hard to transition from the strict daily regimen of prison to the outside world where even when we have schedules, they don't always go as planned. When you're in prison, you can sit in your cell and not have to deal with people. You learn to survive on your own, and then when you come home and you've been gone for so long, people expect you to come home and relate and just be part of society again without realizing the challenges that come with that. I think that's what he's trying to say there, and I relate to it. And eventually after like months of my uh, um, doctor, primary care doctor saying you're exhibiting like every symptom that you need, you, you know, you have like anxiety, depression, pretty much everything's wrong with you mentally. He's like, just try like five milligrams for like a month and if not, just stop. And like within like two or three weeks, just like that, like 50 pound weight on each shoulder like was gone pretty much but but did you lose desires for other things when you did that though because I, I was because because i sometimes you get emotionless you know what i mean like you might you just like like i've had a you know very loose relationship with emotions my whole life anyways yeah so i don't really care about anybody or anything but it it makes you it makes you um, have like feelings again, which I've never really had. Okay. And and I don't want to take pills. Like I hate taking the freaking pill every day. Yeah. But I do know, like from working in the medical field, that like a lot of people feel better when they take medication like this. So then they just, oh, I feel better. I'm not going to take it anymore. And, and that's when like something real bad happens. So. I'm not going to take it forever, but I'm just going to take it right now. And I'm not going to do drugs today, but I'm just going to take this stupid friggin' pill that I get from CVS and whatever. But life from like June or July until now has gotten a, like, you know, a million times better. 
and I don't know if they would ever prescribe you medicine, but you need to have a therapist first. Personally, I'm scared of medication. You know what I'm saying? I've seen, like I've seen people on medication that, and just from being in the joint and watching at Old well, Colony. The medline though is crazy. Oh my, at Old Colony, I used to watch a dude count his squares every day for like fucking seven years while I was sitting there. Yeah. And I'm like, no. That's like no an OCD tick. I'm going to do that. But are you scared of the medication or are you scared that it's going to make you... Scared of the medication. Happy. Yeah, I'm, scared of, I'm scared of medication. I barely take aspirins. I just take aspirins now because I have to at the moment for my back. But when it comes down to the other stuff, it's like, no. Nah. I sold drugs too long to want to do any type of drug. I don't, you know, I don't want you tampering with my brain. My brain's already fucked up as much as it is. And you might feel like you're fixing it, but you're going to take away from something as well. Well, there's an imbalance and this will fix it. What's the worst that would happen? It would work. Nah, I'm not too sure about the medication part. I'm like I said, I'm scared of, I'm scared of medication. I don't, I, you know, it took me a long time to like really open up to a psychiatrist, and then you know, like when I tell them like, uh, yeah, I'm probably PTSD, I'm probably schizophrenia, but I'm not taking medication. Like, we'll figure it out. That's what it's always been like that. I'll just figure it out. You know what I'm saying? But there's small, there's small doses you can start with. Now, I'm not trying to promote it to you or anything. You know what I mean? And at this point, it's out of your control on how you've been feeling. You know what I mean? So maybe you denying it from the jump, you might be shorting your, short your, yourself by not trying it. I'm the same way when it comes to medication. You know what I mean? I don't believe... And that's another stereotype that we ha have. So we've seen people doing drugs, cracked out, cooked up. And it's like, what do you have to lose? A lot. I've seen too many people fall down yeah, off the medications. Saying, but you know, yeah. No, but I'm saying, but you know, you don't live, you, you, uh, you as a man, I know how you live. Yeah. You never, you never live your life off what the next person is doing. No. You know what I'm saying? If it's for you or if it's, it's not for you. So. I'm not, even, I'm not even saying, it could be a medical, whatever. You know what I mean? Try something, meditation. I think life just needs to get better and not yeah, so but, hard. But life's what you, I mean, okay, what's a perfect life to you? Just being able to pay your bills. That's just being able to take care of yourself. Does that seem impossible? You don't, is, do you? At the moment, yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of roadblocks that you have to, there's a lot of obstacles. Like I said, you know, you already know when you walk into that place, the first thing they do is they, they get a hold of that record and you get denied and denied and denied. And after a while, that shit takes effect when you're like, God damn, this is like 14 jobs now I've been denied for. So I'm going to ask you a question. I, I know it's the cold season right now. You like doing car detailing, right? Yeah. Do you have the equipment to do car Of course detailing? I do. So even if you go to Marketplace, mobile car, um, mobile car mechanic, hit me, you know what I mean? You're gonna, people are gonna call you. you no, oh, yeah, I, mean? I know. There's, there's, there's zip cars, there's different places like that where you can get a contract, go to the different sites, the car locations, and clean their cars. But that still doesn't stop the other stresses of the world. I'm not too worried about it. I've never been broke, but this is the first time that I've never went back to the streets. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump back into that. I'm getting old. I don't want to. You know. I don't want to be running from house to house or have people come into my house and I'm bagging up. And I, I don't want to do none of that no more. I, like when I tell you I lived that life. Like I've been shot, stabbed, thrown off a bridge. Like my best friend was murdered behind drugs. They cut his throat in his car. 
Like that's just not the shit I just want to go through anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like like I I I I walked here today because I only had five dollars. You know what I'm saying? So I just walked here. I got a car. I could have called somebody to pick me up because I lent her my vehicle. But I lent her my vehicle so the bank can't come and repossess my shit. I'm back one payment. <laughs> like I said, that's just another part of the mental health thing because then you got to think about this is on your mind. Like, fuck, am I going to lose my... You lose your vehicle, you lose your life. You know that, right? Because my vehicle is my, vehicle is my house. So I can lose my, my room that I rent I don't give a fuck about that. But if I lose my car, I lose everything. I've been here before, you know what I'm saying? I, I know what to do, you know what I'm saying? But again, it's not about work or anything. It's just the mental health part of it because it just puts so much stress on top of stress on top of stress on top of the other shit that you got to deal with, which leads to the mental health aspect of it all. I, I agree with you because I've, I've, been, I've been there too. I've been there too. Thank you for listening to the My Turn podcast. My Turn is a community-based, university-accredited program, providing education, mentorship, and career development support to and by those who have been directly impacted by the criminal justice system. My Turn's objective is to provide an opportunity for each participant to rediscover and reframe their skills, interests, responsibilities, and commitments. This podcast is created and produced in partnership with Tufts University Jonathan M. Tisch College of Civic Life and the Bridging Differences Grant Program. Music brought to you by Elmo Playtest. Learn more or support my term at tuppit.org. T-U-P-I-T dot O-R-G.